morning, everyone. This is Up Too Late, and I'm your host, Teresa Zoe Williams, who's ready for a great show. Later, we have phenomenal author Alessandra Harris joining us. I love getting to promote other authors and artists. So many of us are overlooked. Take me, for example. I can't get a book deal, so I have to publish on my own. That's okay. I've always made my way mostly on my own anyway. Except for that time I made a joke about a coffin and got a boost from Catholic Twitter legend Tommy Ty. Look who's digging her own grave now. Wait a second. Anyway, speaking of Catholic Twitter, we get into some weird arguments over there. Recently, there was one that said babies cry as a result of their unrestrained passions due to the fall. One of the promulgators of that blocked a friend of mine for disagreeing. Guess he was just too given over to his passions to deal. Darn concupiscence. And don't get me started on those Twitter frogs again. Overall, though, Catholic Twitter is a wonderful, diverse place to be, and I wouldn't want to be in any other Twitterverse. Welcome to the show! This week's drink of the day is water because it's important to remain hydrated during these hot summer months. Thank goodness it's not No Thirst Thursday. Pinkies out, everybody. This week's dramatic reading of scripture comes to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, with a train of his garment filling the temple. Seraphim were stationed above. Each of them had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they hovered. Not the little chubby-cheeked dudes we're used to in paintings and at home goods stores. One cried out to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of that cry, the frame of the door shook and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, I am doomed, for I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, holding an ember which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it. See, he said. Now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, your sin purged. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here I am, I said. Send me. And he replied, Go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Look intently, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people sluggish. 
dull their ears and close their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and their heart understand, and they turn and be healed. Wait a second, that's not how eyes and ears are supposed to work. How long, O oh Lord? I asked, and he replied, until the cities are desolate without inhabitants, houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, until the Lord sends the people far away, and great is the desolation in the midst of the land. If there remain a tenth part in it, then this in turn shall be laid waste, and with a terebinth or an oak whose trunk remains when its leaves have fallen. Holy offspring is the trunk. And this is how we got emo boys. The end. This week I give to you the top 10 Jesuit saints. Let's get into some good, clean Jesuit trickery. Coming in at number 10 is Blessed Miguel Pro, because he's only a blessed. If he was such a pro, he'd be a saint already. <laughs> at number nine is St. Robert Bellarmine. His name kind of sounds like, will you be mine? Cute. Number eight is St. Peter Favor, one of the original co-founders of the Jesuits. He was the first of Ignatius's companions. Way to go for jumping right on board. Coming in at number seven is St. Peter Canisius. This dude got his master's degree at age 19. At age 19, I was traipsing around Europe wondering where to get pizza. Okay, number six is St. Peter Claver. Getting all the Peters out of the way right now. Claver is special, though, because he went to the New World and ministered to African Americans. At number five, we have St. Paul Miki. Paul and his companions marched 600 miles to their deaths, singing Te Diem the whole entire way. I can barely sing for 20 minutes without starting to go hoarse. Coming in at number four is St. Edmund Campion. I just love that his last name means champion. We are the champions, my friends. At number three is St. Stanislaus Koska. He was only 17 when he died. The provincial of the Society of Jesus at the time was none other than Peter Canisius. Saints know and saints, so cool. But coming in at number two is St. Ignatius of Loyola, the OGSJ, the man himself. He's the one we can blame for all these Jesuit tricks. But finally, at number one is my man, St. Francis Xavier. This bullheaded dude is a man after my own heart. And you can't get much cooler than the initials FX, unless they were TZ. And that's your top ten! Yay! 
All right, everyone, I'd now like to introduce this week's guest, author Alessandra Harris. Welcome, Alessandra. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm very excited to have you here. Um, So you're the author of two books, and one is in the works as well. Is that true? Yes, that's correct. I'm working on my third book with my editor right now. Wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about your books? Um, So my first book um, is Women's Fiction with Suspense, and it's about um, two married couples. It's told from the point of view of um, two husbands and two wives. So it's four different points of view and just kind of the trials and tribulations of being married. Um, My second book is more of a um, psychological thriller, and it follows um, two women um, and again, just kind of like um, that one's a little bit more has like um, a thriller plot in it, but I don't want to give away too much. And then um, the third I'm working on right now is more of a mystery thriller. um, And it's around a 10 year old girl who's kidnapped and um, a family who gets drawn into it. Wow. So I sense a theme here. You tend to like thriller suspense things. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, Yeah. I like books that are fast paced where you where you want to keep turning the pages. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So how did you decide to write in this genre? So I would say, to be honest, I kind of started with the story first and didn't even really know exactly what genre it fit in. And um, with my first, even though it was women's fiction, since it was a faster pace and more suspenseful, um, with my second, I was like, I want to go all the way over to that genre more than just the women's fiction. Um, and with, so I would say that I do like the um, mystery thriller element where it's kind of like, what's going to happen? What's going on? Um, I'm, I like that type of story right now. Okay. That's awesome. I love that. So you kind of in a way fell into it, but it was out of your natural inclinations. Yeah, I would definitely say I kind of fell into it. That's awesome. I love it. So you also work with and write for the Black Catholic Messenger. Can you tell us a little bit about your work there? Sure. So I'm really excited about the Black Catholic Messenger. It was founded by um, lay Black Catholics in the fall of 2020. And um, Nate Tinner is the main editor. And um, I've basically been contributing um, different opinion pieces, um, though I did write an obituary for um, one priest, um, Father Ubald. But um, it's just been a really good format for me to be able to write about issues um, affecting my faith as a Black Catholic. And and it's given me an outlet that I feel that Black Catholics really didn't have before, um, where a lot of times um, Black Catholics are absent from Catholic media. So we wanted to fill that void and um, have that representation. That's wonderful. And the work of everyone over there is just phenomenal. Like, top-notch writing and journalism um so it's not like it's very high highbrow like you guys are doing phenomenal work what issues of faith do you think are most pertinent to black catholics and how can we as a church address those issues well well i would say that um one of the issues that black catholics are facing right now is that they feel like they don't have a voice in the church And for example, um, over 2020, and when you look at like the racial justice movement and the protests that come up, um, I know that 
bishops did have the listening sessions mm -hmm. with um, different um, people, not just black people, but I know they did have one for black Catholics, but I feel like that's a good first step. Cause I think one of the issues is that black Catholics feel that their issues are not being heard. And I know that um, a lot of black Catholic church has churches have either been closed or consolidated. So that's another issue where it's like, we wanna have the funding for black Catholic spaces, for churches, for schools in our communities um, in order for us to really e evangelize the black community. Yeah. And do you think that the American church is poised to do this? Like we could, we're just not tapping into ourselves and our resources enough? I definitely think that we have the resources. It's just a matter of funneling the resources to the correct places. And I think that when, for example, when you have churches that are being closed because memberships down and, um, you know, financial contributions are down, it's kind of like, well, what are we doing in those communities to reach out to get people to fill the pews? And I think that that's an issue across the board in the U.S. right now. Yes, but I think true. that, yeah, I think that instead of just saying, well, there aren't people, let's close them. It's like, well, why don't we look at why there aren't people there and what can we do to reverse that? Basically, we're asking the wrong questions. We're, I think so. we're going at the issues at the wrong angles. Yeah. How can we help Catholics of color be more visible in, in our Catholic media, in our church, in our life? I know that you said listening and doing these other things are the first step, but taking it further, like what else can we really do? Well, I think that, for example, um, America Magazine has the new Gloria Purvis podcast. Yes. And I was really excited that they gave Gloria Purvis a platform. And I think that elevating Black Catholic voices to positions like that in Catholic media, in um, Catholic leadership is important because it's like there are 3 million Black Catholics in the United States. So it's not like we can just say, well, there's not a lot of Black Catholics. It's just a myth that there aren't a lot of Black Catholics. There are. I think 3 million is a large number. It's and pretty I, significant. Yeah. And a lot of times when I look at like lineups for Catholic conferences, it's like there's no Black Catholics in the lineup at all. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and I think that it's not that there aren't people who can be in those positions, I think they're just not being asked to be in those positions. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's plenty of people who can do the things that white Catholics are doing, at least as well, sometimes if not even better, and bringing that whole other perspective enriches our church. And we're missing out by not embracing who our church really is, who she is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that not only with Black Catholics, but I think also there's there needs to be more of a push to really embrace the Latino population as well yes. that is growing. And um, again, I feel like when it comes to leadership, there aren't a lot of opportunities for people to really um, represent that community too often. So you think we should just reach out more, just look at who our people are, look at our communities and just find our people there and bring them to the forefront, bring them into these leadership positions. And I think that too often we're just familiar with our small circles. So it's like, 
instead of going outside of that comfort zone and outside of the usual people who are we ask to do this or to do that, it does take a little bit of effort. But I think that if people make that effort, they will see that there's people um, from across the board, from all different mm -hmm. um, ethnic backgrounds, all different socioeconomic classes um, that are interested in having different roles in the church. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, when is your new book coming out? Last question. So that's a good question. And I don't have an exact date. Okay. Um, I like I said, I just started working with my editor, my publisher is a small publisher, but it's really been growing. So um, I was originally when I signed the contract, I was thinking like um, November, December 2021. But it looks like it might be like early 2022. So okay don't exactly have an answer for that yet. <laughs> Where can we find you so that we can follow along and know when your new work comes out? Um, so on my website, alessandraharris.net, I have um, all the different information and like my latest features. Um, and I'm also most active on Twitter at alessandrah17. Perfect. For better or worse, right? <laughs> exactly. Twitter's an interesting place. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Alessandra. Um, I'm super excited to read your works. Everybody, you should buy her books. Even if this is not a genre that you're normally into, expand your taste, expand your horizons and pick up her books. I've got them in my Amazon cart, so take that as your example and do as I do <laughs> just in this instance only though. And I, and I will just give the warning that they are rated R. So if you, you know, so um, they're definitely not for your youth to read. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them out of reach of children. Exactly. <laughs> and well, thank, thank you, you so for much. Having me. Yeah, it was wonderful. You're great. Give it up for Alessandra, everybody. Yay. This week's weird saint is the man himself, the OGSJ, Saint Ignatius of Loyola. This dude was plenty weird, and you have to be to start a religious order. I mean, come on. So a cannonball shot him in the leg, but he kept the leg, though he walked with a limp the rest of his life. And he used to have dreams about the saints, including one about the Virgin Mary and infant Jesus, which he took to mean to go visit the Holy Land. He was even questioned by the Inquisition, but got out alive. That's kind of unusual. St. Francis Xavier initially thought Ignatius was a joke and a weirdo, but was eventually won over. I mean, Ignatius preached a lot and had irregular ideas about how to go about contemplation and religious fervor. I'd probably think he was a weirdo, too. Ignatius died of a severe variant of malaria, which is unusual. And fun fact, my husband and I met for the first time on Ignatius's feast day, and I prayed to him to keep me safe during our date. I believe my exact words were, please don't let me get kidnapped, and don't let this guy be a psychopath axe murderer. Amen. We celebrate St. Ignatius of Loyola on July 31st. Thank you for tuning in to Up Too Late tonight. Up Too Late is a Grexley podcast. Find it and others like To the Heights and Paper Cranes at 
grexley.com. A big special thanks to Alessandra Harris for joining us tonight. Make sure to check out the show notes to find out where to read her work. And remember to check out my blog and enter the July giveaway. Hit up TeresaZoeWilliams.com today. You can always find me at TeresaZoe on Twitter and at TeresaZoeWilliams on Facebook and Instagram if you absolutely must. If you like this show, make sure to support it on Patreon at patreon.com slash TeresaZoe. Get all kinds of behind-the-scenes looks, sneak peeks, and other freebies in addition to any tier rewards there. God bless and keep you. Sleep well and have sweet dreams. May your guardian angel be close at hand, and Mama Mary wrap you in her mantle. Go to sleep!